This is Rosh Hashanah Tavshin Lamed Gimel. In the Gregorian calendar, that was 1972, and it became 1973. It was 1973 when Rosh Hashanah happened. Short mimer after a longer mimer. This won't take us uh, so long. It's a couple of days. In Musaf and Rosh Hashanah, we say this is the day, the beginning of your deeds. Rebbe asks a number of questions in this Pasuk. The obvious question and the question that's asked in many, many different places. It's known, the careful reading of this, but Drushi Rabbaseinu Nesienu, and the, when we say Drushi Rabbaseinu Nesienu, we mean different Maimarim through all the Rebbeim. And uh, the Rebbe lists a bunch of. If you look in footnote two, there's a list of Maimarim from the Alta Rebbe, the Mitla Rebbe, from the from the the Rebbe Rashab, all sorts of Maimarim, the Friedrich Rebbe, all sorts of different Maimarim from all the different Rebbeim on this particular issue, because it's in, in, Rebbe includes Maimarim that he said, right? That there's uh, what's the issue? How can we say in Rosh Hashanah this is the beginning of creation? It's not the beginning of creation. As a matter of fact, to a certain degree, it's the end of creation. Because creation took six days and Rosh Hashanah is on the sixth day. Right? Creation started on Chafael, the 25th of Elul. Finished on Aleph Tishrei. The sixth day of creation is Aleph Tishrei. That's the day that Adam and Chava were created. And to a certain degree, that's the end of creation to the extent that the next day is Shabbos, which was a day of the creation of Manucha, but not of any physical reality. So why is it that we say in Rosh Hashanah, Zeh HaYoyim Tchilas Ma'asecho? Zeh The end? That's a very well-known question, and we'll deal with that. Umau She'imrim, also the Rebbe asks other, other very powerful questions relative to this statement that we say. Umau She'imrim, what is that which, which we say? Rosh Hashanah, Zeh Yim Tchilas Masecha. This is, I'm sorry, this is the end of the first question. The, 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 uh, this is the beginning of your deeds. Gam Tzarek and we also have to understand the Indian, the basic idea of Tchilas Masecha, the beginning of your deeds. Now, beginning means there's a beginning and an end. Kaddish Baruch was beyond any notion of time and in beginning and end. Right? And, and, and the Rebbe is going to quote a Maimar Chazal that relates to this very powerfully. Also, Masecha, your deeds. There's no multiplicity in the world of a Kaddish Baruch. There's no deeds. Kaddish Baruch doesn't do things. Right? In the world of a Kaddish Baruch, everything's in a state of absolute unity. Down here, that unity might express itself in the context of multiplicity, but in Kaddish Baruch's world, it's all a state of absolute oneness. You say it every day, Hashem Echot. What, what distinguishes between deeds down here? Well, one of the things that distinguishes between deeds down here is time. One deed will take place in one space in time, and another deed will take place in another space in time. Right? Space itself can also uh, differenti- differentiate. Okay, Poseidon, but, but the simplest differentiation between two things that you do is you did them in different times. Well, that doesn't relate to a Kodesh Baruch. That's not relevant to a Kodesh Baruch. Now, how that works is hard for us to understand because we live in a world of differentiation, so we relate to everything in that way. But the, the, why in the world must we impose our, our, our experience of reality on a Kodesh Baruch? Our experience of reality isn't how he experiences reality. 
he's the source of the reality you and I experience, but completely transcendent of it and, and not affected by it to the extent that he becomes an expression of multiplicity, Mapito. God is one. Gamsar, third line. Sarachlavin, Indian Tchilis Maasecho. Shemashmoy, it seems to indicate, Shiyesh Lamaasecho Tchilis Vesayf. That there are to your deeds a beginning and an end. So now, the Rebbe could discuss that philosophically. But he quotes, he quotes a Maimar Chazal. For Yedua, Shekulam Niskarim Beskira Achas Lefandav. We know the Medrash says that it's Gemara, that that all is surveyed in one glance in front of him, meaning relative to Kaddish Baruch all of reality is, is another statement. Chazal says, "B'machshava achas bara alma," the source of all of the reality that you and I experience, not in any particular moment, in all of our lives and in all of the lives that have ever existed in Elam Haza, all of time, all of space. In a Kaddish Baruch Hu's world, it's one thought. In that one thought is contained all of time and space that you and I experience. Okay, so now how does that work? Well, you don't know, you and I don't know how that works. That's something completely beyond our experience of reality because our thoughts don't work that way. Our thoughts work so that there's one thought and another thought and another thought and that may or may not express itself in what we say and what we do. There are thoughts that do and thoughts that don't. Okay. It doesn't mean that in one thought everything is well, but that's that's reality in Kaddish Baruch Hu's world, Kaddish Baruch Hu's space, so to speak. Right? So Kaddish Baruch Hu looks at the world, and what's the world? The world is one thought, one glance, one survey, so to speak. He sees all of time and space at once. Oh, okay. So then why in the world would we say the beginning of your deeds as if there's a beginning and an end in the world of a Kaddish Baruch there's no beginning and end. Also in that context obviously there's no deeds. Right? Even deeds itself is a funny thing to say right? when we say that a Kaddish Baruch thought or a Kaddish Baruch spoke. Right? But we do obviously we relate to the world as, as also the action of a Kaddish Baruch Kulum Chochma Siso. Which itself is hard to understand. What does it mean? You did it in Chochma. Chochma doesn't do Chochma things. I don't care. Say they're a separate issue. Right? Well, explains that in Tanya. Everything is, again, Niskarim is, the word Skira is like to survey something. A Seker in modern Hebrew is a pole. Right, which is sort of relevant to the times because it's election day again tomorrow, which means free parking, Baruch Hashem. Right. So, so uh, it's about the single best thing that comes out of election time. Right. I get to put on my gartel a second time, right, because the Rebbe said we have to vote, and the only reason I vote is because the Rebbe said to, so I put on a gartel when I vote. I know lots of people who do. Right. You know, I didn't discuss it with anybody. I just decided, like, you know, the only reason I'm in this little room is because the Rebbe said I have to be because there's no one to vote for, especially this year. This time, sometimes there's someone to vote for. This time, it's a complete disaster. So, uh, say then, put on a gartel, hold your nose, and vote. So a secker is a pole, right? You're surveying, you know, things. What's going on? Okay. So, so, 
niskarin would be to be surveyed with one skira. Well, okay, what would you call that? You'd call that a glance. Yossi, I think probably that class is the class for you. I assume probably, I don't know, but I assume that class is your class. The other side of the wall, there's another class. Oh, okay. Around the corner. Sure. If, unless you can walk through walls. If you can walk through walls, that would be pretty cool. And if you would just do it now, we'd all think it would be a nice way to start the day. Delta Rebbe and Rev Levi Yitzhak, right? The wedding of their grandchildren, so they were stuck in a room. There were too many people in the room. They knew how to get out, so Rev Levi Yitzhak asked the Alter Rebbe if they should just walk through the wall to get to the room they wanted to get to. The Alter Rebbe said, no, we don't do those things. And they walked around and pushed their way out. Rev Levi Yitzhak asked the Alter Rebbe, should we walk through the wall? No, we don't do those things. Could they, evidently? Do they? No. It's like a Rev, who was it? Rev, Rev, Rev Greenglass from the Makubal from Montreal, who came to the Rebbe, who came to the Rebbe for Shabbos. And you might see Shabbos, they were doing Kiddush Levana, they went outside and it was cloudy. Greenglass took a handkerchief and went like this and the clouds moved and you could see the moon. So the Rebbe looked at it and went, we don't do those things. <laughs> okay, fine. A friend of mine was in L.A. when the Rimnitzer was there. The Rimnitzer was in L.A. The fact that it would be cloudy in L.A. is itself unusual, right? But it was. It was cloudy, and they went out to do Kiddush Levana. I mean, it gets cloudy in the winter. It can be cloudy. So they went out to do Kiddush Levana in the winter, and, and uh, there was no moon. So the Rimnitzer told everybody. A friend of mine was under the talus. The Rimnitzer told everybody to get under the talus. So they're under the talus, and he's like, you know, looking serious for a minute. And then he moves the talus out of the way, and they see the moon. So they're all pretty freaked out. And he says, Kiddush Levana, and, you know, as if nothing happened, he says, Kiddush Levana. He also had a sense of humor. He said, Kiddush Levana, and, uh, and then walked into his house. So they were all sort of standing there dumbfounded, like, you know, wait a minute, what you, you hear about these stories, but it's not like it ever happens when you're standing there. So, so, so he looked around and he smiled. He said, my father did it without the talus. And he walked in <laughs> into his house. <laughs> so, whatever. So Tzadikim do some, you know, pretty interesting things. But the Abishah does even more interesting things. And the Abishah can, it looks, the, 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 the existence of all in time and space as you and I know it, which is an existence of unbelievable multiplicity, differentiation, you know, billions, zillions, and quadrillions of things, spaces in time, spaces in places in space, I mean, just, for all intents and purposes, an infinite amount of stuff. In the Abishah, that's all one look, one glance, one thought. So how can we possibly say Tchilas Maaseka, the beginning of your deeds? In one, there's no beginning and end. It's all the same. Hainu, the Rebbe says, fourth line, the beginning and the end are in, in a state of equality. They're one and the same thing. I mean, for all intents and purposes, there is no beginning and end. V'im kein, if so, ma'u'inyin t'chilas ma'asecha. So why do we say, ze'ayim t'chilas ma'asecha? Valderech zen, in this way, tzarech bir, we also require an understanding of aloshin, the language of ma'asecha. Same question. Your deeds, plural. Shuhu loshin rabin, which is plural. 
to cave and show called Niskad and Biskirachas Lafanov. I was quoting exactly the same Maimar Chazal that since all is surveyed with one glance in front of him, it's one Indian and one deed. So then why do we say deeds? You're in charge. Why? Why do we say deeds? Okay, so so far two questions. Which is really three, but it's really two. Right, the first question, why are we saying that on Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah is not the first day of creation. If anything, it's the last day of creation because it's the sixth day of creation. So why do you say this is the beginning of your deeds? It's not. If you want to talk about a beginning and an end, so then this is closer to the end. Right? Rosh Hashanah is the last day of creation. I understand there were seven days of creation, right? But Shabbos is not. Is one of the days of creation, but what's created on Shabbos is, a, is Manucha from creation. A new state of reality. Bas Shabbos, Bas Manucha, Chazal say. Okay. So then why is, why is Rosh Hashanah, which was the sixth day, called this is the beginning of your deeds? And then the Rebbe asked the two questions that we just saw. Why beginning? As if there's a beginning and an end. Relative to the Abishu, there's not. You saw it all in one glance. And deeds. Relative to the Abishu, if you want to call it a deed, but it's one deed. That one deed to you and I looks like so far, 5,779 years and 11 months and, and, and 16 days of history. Everything that happened in those days. Everything. The world has been infinitely expanding, the universe has been infinitely expanding into itself for 5,779 years and 11 days, 11 months and 16 days. Great. So all of that. The Abishu's world is contained in one thought. That's why he's big. We're not so big. Oh. So those are, those are our two questions, which are really three. Now the Rebbe answers the last two right away, which, which creates a fourth question, and that's the end of the first paragraph. So in the first paragraph, the Rebbe asks four questions, but the fourth question is based on the answer to the second and the third, which we're going to see right now. Right? And when you learn a mimer, at the end of every paragraph, you should you know, remind yourself what happened in that paragraph, especially the first one, because that's going to set the tone for everything that's happening. So here's the answer to the second and third question. From the fact that the, the, the statement, this statement, this is not a posseg, Part of Musaf and Rosh Hashanah is what we say in the davening of Musaf and Rosh Hashanah. Right? That's so, you know, I, I might call it a pasuk, right? Just for lack of the verse, the the, the statement. Okay, but it's not a it's not a pasuk in Chumash. It's not a pasuk in Tanakh. Okay. And the fact that we actually say now the, again, the Rebbe is answering the last two questions. Why we say Tchilas Masecha, that seems to indicate the Indian Tchilas Masecha. This idea of Tchilas Masecha is Shaykh, is relevant, to the inner lights. Well, let's translate and then we'll come back. Hamislavshim that are clothed in the natural order of the downward emanation of godly light. And we talked about this at, 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 at one class in the last, like, I think it was last week when we went through the difference between Seder Ishtashlis and beyond Seder Ishtashlis. And, and you might, 
if you mention one word, it shows a very clear understanding of the difference between Seder Yishtashlus and above Seder Yishtashlus. What might that one word be? And I, when I asked this before, so someone answered. One word that describes, okay, forget the one word. How would you describe the difference between Seder Yishtashlus and beyond Seder Yishtashlus? And you have to be able to do this. If you don't do this, then we don't. We are not understanding those things that we're learning constantly, over and over and over again. Because we've talked about Seder Ishtashlis countless times in this room. Or versus Etzim. And no, that would be the difference between Sevev and Etzim. Caleb. Caleb, beautiful. There you go. That's the word. Caleb. Now, once you say Caleb, what does that mean? Oh, that means you're talking about a different quality of light. Talking about a level of light that is clothed in kalim as opposed to infinite godly light which is too powerful to be clothed in kalim all these ideas are ideas that you have to know if you're going to think about God because this is what God's about and if you don't have this vocabulary in your head then you can't think about God then you're just thinking about yourself because you have to have his his words not yours meaning words that you understand but his vocabulary has to become your vocabulary why? Like a doctor who doesn't understand the names of any parts of the body. What kind of doctor? You say, I have nothing to do with medicine. Okay. I don't know the thing that goes boom, 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 boom. Oh, maybe I'll try another doctor. Gives you antibiotics for a cold. So Seder Ishtashlul, what's Seder You're going to have a hard time ever finding a Maimur Chassidus that doesn't mention Seder Ishtashlul. Or Lamaile Seder Ishtashlul. Because that's going to be the point of reference in terms of what reality you're talking about. So you just have to know this. So you write it down, and you remember it, and you bang your head, and you look in your notebook, and you do review, and you, and you remember it. If it's important, you remember God matters, then you remember this information. A test. I'm not going to give you tests. Why? I think you can probably... I mean, maybe, maybe it's impossible to learn without tests. We'll have to have tests. The one test you get is when you want to leave the class, you have to do a test to see if you know information in order to be able to go into the next class. It's the one test you'll get in Chassidus. But Hanan, you said the right word, Kalim. Right? There's or there's three different levels of reality. We've talked about this before. We'll talk about it again. Write it down. Remember it. There are three different levels of reality. We'll start from the top. Etzim, Or, and Kli. Now, obviously there's more to say about those levels, but those are the three different levels of reality. What's Etzim? Etzim's God himself, the essence of God, right? Yeshaya smiles every time I say it, and he can say it to you, right? Where did he come from? He didn't. What's the purpose of his being? There isn't. Why is he there? Don't know, right? God. There's just this being called God. Why? I don't know. He just is. Didn't come from anywhere. No reason for him to be there. No purpose for him to be there. We've talked about it countless times. Don't turn God into the, the, the being that exists in order for you to exist. He, he's there so you can be. That means you're the center of existence and he's the reason you are. No. The reason we are is because he is. 
He doesn't exist because we do. Don't create him in your image. We're created in his. Where did he come from? How did, he didn't. Well, there must have been a time without him. No. He created time. <laughs> it's just completely impossible for us to wrap our head around the existence of the essence of God. But that when we say you believe in God, right, that's the level that only Emuna can touch. Human intellect cannot touch that level of reality. Human intellect cannot understand what that is. Not because you're not smart enough, because it doesn't fit into intellect, because intellect does what intellect does, and what intellect can't do, it can't do. Right? And there's things intellect can't do. Like what? Describe the color orange to a person who never saw. It's not an idea. It's a visual experience. Intellect is good with ideas. But if something's not an idea, so then intellect can't explain it. Color, the experience of seeing orange is not an idea. It's a visual experience. Explain that visual experience to someone who can't see, who can't explain it intellectually. It's not an idea. You're not going to get anywhere explaining color to that person. It's not part of their reality. Once you have seen, you can then think about colors. Okay? We've talked about another idea that's it's, it's important to understand. Right? Love. Love is not an idea. It's an emotion. Someone who's never experienced that emotion can't understand love. It's not an emotion. It's not an idea. It's an emotion. Once you've had that emotion, once you've felt that emotion, you've been shown that emotion and felt it yourself, then you can talk about it intellectually. Write poems. Most people write poems as opposed to prose because it's just it's very hard to pin down, isn't it? <laughs> right. Why? Because it's not an idea. It's an emotion. And people who've experienced the emotion try to describe the emotion to other people who've experienced the emotion. And some people are really good at it and they, ex they describe it in a very powerful way that arouses in us an emotional response to such an idea. Okay. I can't explain love to someone who never experienced it. Some kid never, never was never shown love by his parents. Okay, ever. Does he know what it is? No. How's he supposed to know what it is? I have a very hard time having relationships with other people. Okay. No one ever taught him what that is, how it works. Anyway. Not okay. Very tragic. I once heard a mushal. Yossi Jacobson uses a beautiful mushal. He says he's a fisherman. He wants to find every fish in the sea. So he makes a huge net. Huge. Throws it in the sea and picks it up. He says, look, I've got every single fish in the sea. Everybody laughs at him. Why are they laughing? Because in between each piece of the net, there's a space of seven inches. So what fish did he catch? Every fish that's bigger than seven inches. What about the fish that are smaller than seven inches? His net didn't catch them. Intellect is a net. 
that catches things. But there's things that fit through the cracks because intellect doesn't catch those things. Intellect can't understand those things. What's one of those things? God. Etzim. There's aspects of God that intellect can understand. Well, we're going to get there because Hananya used his intellect to explain the difference between Seder Yishtashlis and, and beyond. Well, his intellect understands that Seder Yishtashlis is this level of reality where there's light that is tailor-made to fit into these things we, that we call kalim. This is not, you know, teacups that fit into kalim. And what do those kalim allow for? Those kalim allow for a specific and unique expression of that light. We've talked about it. Red photons. Where are the blue ones and the yellow ones? This Kli doesn't reveal them. This Kli only reveals red and light, not the blue and the yellow and the light. What does it do to the blue and the yellow and the light? Evidently, it absorbs that, that part of the light and only reflects the red part of the light. We've talked about this. I think recently enough that Mordechai, you were in the room when we talked about it. So Mordechai's only been here for four days. So we've talked about this very recently. So how can we not know when we say Seder Ishtashul is what we're talking about? So we just talked about it. Seder Ishtashul is the place, four worlds. It's Silas, Bri, it's Yerasiya. That's Seder Ishtashul. It's the place where light is clothed in vessels and expresses itself in differentiated ways such that you can even talk about higher worlds, lower worlds, more revelation, less revelation. That's Seder Ishtashul. The word Ishtashul comes from the word Shalshelet, a chain, the orderly downward chain-like revelation of light, right? It's moving down. Higher level, lower level, within each world, ten spheres. Okay, that's that's Seder Ishtashlos. What's in between Etzim and Seder Ishtashlos? A level called beyond Seder Ishtashlos, which is infinite godly light. Called Sevev, or Makif. Too powerful, too powerful to be clothed in vessels. Can't express itself in differentiated, unique ways. Just... Too powerful. Huh? Is there a difference between Etzem and Atzmos? Atzmos? No. Same thing. The Etzem of God, Atzmosei Umahusei. His essence and his very being. Etzem and Atzmos. Atzamot are bones. Which is a reasonable name for bones, right? Because they're sort of the. hold you up, right? I mean, that's. It's like, so to speak, the essence of your physical being. Not essence in the deep conceptual way, but like, why do you look like you look? Well, you're, there's these bones so that you stand up like that, and there's this flesh on the bones, and then there's this saran wrap around it all so it doesn't all just blob out all over the place, and it's called skin. We sort of held together something. It's not completely bizarre how it all works, but it worked. Who was it? Someone once said that uh, they went to Mayor Sharm and they couldn't figure out how could it possibly be that these walls, look at these walls, these walls are so old and who knows how well they were built. What holds up all these buildings in Mayor Sharm? How come they're still standing? Some Siddhisha Rebbe came to Mayor Sharm. It was the Satmar It was the Satmar Rebbe. Came to Mayor Sharm, looked around and said, what's holding it up? Oh, it's the glue on the posters. 
<laughs> all the posters on the walls of the glue is holding all these buildings up. If it weren't for those posters, the whole place would fall down. The sun erupts. It's the glue on all the posters. That's what's holding up all these buildings. Right? So I don't know. We like, I don't know. It's like pretty bizarre, right? But we have, we, when we stand up, we don't just like crumple into a little ball. There's this skeleton that's there and sort of maintains a shape. There's all this stuff on that sort of glued on, and here we are. You take it so for granted, it's ridiculous. Okay. So, erisapnimim, that means inner lights, i.e. light that is clothed in a vessel, so to speak. It expresses itself by being in something and vitalizing that thing. So that's, that's mamale, or mamale. Hamislavshim. Hislavshus is again a notion of something being clothed in something. In the four worlds, meaning what level of godliness are we talking about? If we say we're talking about reality from our point of view, from our vantage point, from the vantage point of the world, the, the, the created worlds. Specifically this one, but but that that idea of beginning and end even exists in Atsilus. Atzilus is the place in Elokus where Kaddish Baruch Hu begins to allow himself to be revealed in the context of higher, lower, beginning, end, ten, ten spheres. Still him. But it's him, so to speak, preparing himself to be the source of created reality. So God the creator, where is he, so to speak? Atzilus, Elam Atzilus. Specifically, Malchus of Atzilus. Malchus of Atzilus is the source of that reality called Bria Yeshmiayin. The creation of something from nothing. What's the nothing? When we say nothing, what do we mean nothing? God's nothing? No, 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 no. We mean nothing created. The creation of something created from something that's not created. Meaning it's nothing. It's not created. Where does that happen? Malchus of Atzilus, which is the ayin, the non-created stuff. It's creator, not created. Gives birth to Chochmah Bria, the first step in creation. Created stuff. Stuff, not physical stuff, metaphysical stuff, but created, creation, Elam Abriya, it's created reality. What's up there in Elam Abriya? Malachim. The Shamas hang out in Gan Eden, Upper Gan Eden is in Elam Abriya, right? They're hanging around up there, what do they do? I don't know, they're they derive benefit from the radiance of the divine presence. It's supposed to be incredible so pleasant that all of the pleasure that you could possibly experience in 6,000 years of the world's history, all of that pleasure is less than one moment of the pleasure that you could, that you experience in Ghanedin. That's what the Chazal say, right? Fourth parak in Pirkei Avos, we'll read it this Shabbos. Yofa Shach is Bekeres Ruach, Be'elam Haba, Mikol Chayelam one moment of pleasure in the world to come is greater than all the pleasure possible in this world. All of the physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual pleasure that could possibly be experienced in this world, one moment of Elam Abba is greater than that pleasure. It's just impossible to even imagine. Okay, that's Elam Abba. The Shamas are sitting up there having a very good time. A very good time. Kalim or it's not physical Kalim down here it's all physical Kalim up there metaphysical Kalim what does that look like I don't know 
You know what metaphysical reality looks like? No. Nope. Describe it. It's not physical. <laughs> it's about the best we can do. Right? Okay. But in this line in Davening, what are we talking about? Reality that you and I experience. Beginning, end, deeds. Shaare Davka is specifically Gave relative to Erdes Penimim. Again, when we say Erdes Penimim, we mean the lights that are inner lights, i.e. they clothe themselves in vessels, so to speak. That's the mushal, that's the image. Yeshna Inin Shalis Chalkus. There's a matter of differentiation. Hitchalkut. What's a chalik? A piece. Hitchalkut. Differentiation. Differentiating between one piece and another piece. Portion. Vechain, similarly, Inin Tchila Vesayf. So to beginning and end. In other words, when we say Zeyem Tchilas Masach, we say from our point of view, this is the beginning of the creation of things and beginning and end. <laughs> like we're looking at it from our point of view, where there's a beginning and an end and there's things. Okay, that, 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 that understanding of reality is, is true. It's just not absolutely true. It's only relatively true. Meaning relative to our existence, there's a beginning and there's an end and there's an up and a down and a right and a left and a northeast, southwest, that's all true. And there's a then and now. Then can refer to the future, then can refer to the past. And there's a now, which is, interesting enough, the part of time that we experience most powerfully, even though it's the part of time that's probably in existence less than any other part of time. Because all the present is, is really the future transforming into the past. How long does the present last? Well, it doesn't really. I mean, you can just keep cutting it smaller, 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 even though it's so fascinating because that's the part of time that you and I experience most powerfully, even though that's the part of time that, if you think about it, really exists. It doesn't really exist at all. Right? What was going to be became what was. As soon as you hear me talk, well, I already did. Oh, it's pretty fast. Okay, we say it, but we can divide time into those small fragments of time. Right? Even seeing something. When you see something, well, it already was. Ah, but wait a minute. That's traveling 186,000 miles per second, that image. Okay, but say it. So divide it up. It was uh, one billionth of a second before. Okay, it's still before. <laughs> it already happened. By definition, how can you see something that's going to happen? You see things that did happen. Okay, it happened a billionth of a second ago. Well, that's fast, but it's still a billionth of a second ago. But you experience that as happening. That's the first tense we learn in any language we speak, right? Je suis, right? J'ai été, is that right? J'ai été, I was. Je suis, I am. J'étais, I will be, is that right? Je serai. Eh? Serai? Yes. It's in there, it's in there, Mary. That just has to come back. It's all in there. Five years of French in Canadian high school. It's all in there. Just buried under everything else. But, but when we learn language, the first thing we learn is present tense, right? Because it's so interesting, though, when you think about the way time works. Present tense is... Is there really such a thing called present? <laughs> Not really. 
But there is, because you and I, that is what we experience, and, and every, including Lashon HaKadosh, has a present tense. Right? Walking. He's walking. That means he walked, and he's going to continue to walk. That's really what that means. Right? He's in the middle of the transition from having walked to will walk. It's called walking. But, okay, but that, you know, that's all very nice and fancy and cool, but I mean, come on, let's get real. You and I experience present tense. We do. That, that's the experience God gave us. That Our experience of reality is very much in what you and I call the present tense. It's happening. Just when we define it more precisely, it well, not exactly. Okay. So we're looking at it from our point of view. Now, that, that point of view is real. It's just not absolute. It's only relative to us. That, that experience of reality and that expression of reality could go out of reality in a moment. God could just decide, poof, it's gone. Okay, ceases to exist. Absolute reality? That will never disappear. That's God. That just is. So interesting, this is, that this is now the, re- the question the Rebbe is going to ask, but Sarek Lahavim, so this is the fourth question, based on the answer we just gave to the second and third. Madua Inyan Rosh Hashanah Biyasa why is it that the matter of Rosh Hashanah and the creation of the world, Shayach, is relevant, Dafka Lebechina Zu, specifically to this level, this quality, this aspect of reality? I mean, why are we defining reality on Rosh Hashanah in our terms? Don't you think it would be more reasonable to just define it in absolute terms? Right? Like what really is, not what you and I experience as is. Because that's only relative reality. Again, it's real, right? Some people will tell you that you know the world's an illusion. Siddhis spends a great deal of time debunking that notion. It was not an illusion. God really created a world. It says in the Torah, "Bereishis ba'elokimas shemayim The world doesn't exist by virtue of the fact that you perceive it. The world exists because God created it. Your experience of the world is a function of you perceiving it. But the world exists. That existence has many, many different layers and expressions, and, and you know, it's certainly quantum, quantum mechanics will relate to it in a very, very wild way in terms of how it exists when you're not looking at it. But quantum mechanics will also allow for the fact that there's two different levels. There's the level of reality that you experience, and then now when you walk out of the house, is the house still in existence? Uh, well, okay, to the people experiencing it, it is. But I mean, we understand that also. That famous story, once the Yud Shvat A lot of people went to the Rebbe for a particular Yud Shvat, Shin Lamed. And uh, we made a special for bringing, I think it was Sunday, for the people who had come from Eretz Yisrael and were, and, and were leaving that night, all going back that night. And uh, so we made a special for bringing in the afternoon for them and earlier for bringing. And, and, and in the while the Rebbe was for bringing, so people started getting nervous and started looking at their watches because they were worried about missing their flights. So at one point in the middle of the Fabrengan, the Rebbe says, like, you know, I see everybody's nervous. And the Rebbe starts explaining the idea of that he brings into being 
constantly every day my sabreshis, which of course means that the world is constantly going in and out of creation, not every day, but every macrosecond the world is going from a state of yesh to ayin to yesh to ayin to yesh to which is what allows for change. So to speak, it's a different image every like 35 millimeter film. We've talked about it before, I'm not going there. Right, okay. So like I said, the plane that you're going to get on doesn't even exist yet. Why are you worried about missing it? I mean, it hasn't even come into existence yet. It will as you step on it. <laughs> now it's going to go out of existence also, but you will and it will, so don't worry. It's not like you're going to fall out of the plane. That it's going to go out of existence while you still are in existence. That's not how it works. Right? So, so the world itself exists on this bizarre level that it's constantly going in and out of existence. You and I can't see that, obviously. I mean, it's silly to imagine. Well, I'll keep my eyes open and I'll watch the world go out of existence. Right? That's pretty silly. What's the, again, the, what's the muscle? The muscle is 35 millimeter film. There's an image and then a non-image, and then an image and then a, a little space without an image. And now those images are constantly passing in front of the light shining through it, projecting it on the, on the screen. Okay, what do you experience? You experience motion picture. You experience movement, change. Well, what is it really? It's all just thousands of little images. Boom, 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 boom. That's how digital works also. You just, you know, it's not so, you just don't see it in Gashmias. You can take 35 millimeter film and hold it in front of you and you see the image and then the line in between, then the image, then the line and you see it. Okay, but it's going so fast past the light projecting through it in, you know, in the old days. So you don't, you're not aware of the lack, you're not aware of the ayin, you're just aware of all these different states of yesh. So it's moving. Old time movies, very jerky. Why? Well, didn't move as fast. Now, you know, with the digital stuff, it's just push it's seamless, it's incredible. <laughs> it's really, it's unbelievable. It's so much higher quality than 35 millimeter film. 35 millimeter film is pretty good. It's not jerky at all. Right? But I remember in high school, right? I mean, they used to show us films all the time from the National Film Board of Canada. These, these propaganda trying to make us think a certain way. So, so, so they show us these films and every now and then. So the light bulb was hot, right? So the film would catch fire. <laughs> so you'd be watching and then all of a sudden there would be flames on the screen and then black. Well, just white, because the light would be shining through and be no film in the way. So you turn on the lights and you take the film off this reel and off this reel. You put it together and you, you cut it here and cut it here. Tape it together. No, it's low tech, no problem. Tape it together with some scotch tape. Put it back on and send it through. And there'll be a little space in the film where there'll be a jump from you know one reality to another because there's you know five frames missing. But you don't really, you know... If you didn't notice, you probably wouldn't. If you didn't know, you probably wouldn't notice because you have to be watching pretty carefully to notice the jump. And you're watching pretty passively because that's the nature of watching stuff like this. That's why educationally it's mediocre at best <laughs> because you're just so passive. Sesame Street, that when it came out, everybody was very excited. Then they realized, well, this is just too passive to teach children. They learn stuff. They definitely learn stuff, but it's too passive. They don't learn as quickly as they could if they're doing it in an active way. Which is why you learn so much more if you look at the page when you're learning a mind. 
as opposed to listen to the person talk. It's just passive, and you learn about a fifth of the information you learn when you actually read the words yourself and follow along. It's just because it's active, you're part of it, it's part of you. Right? Also, the why writing down what you learn makes you remember it. Why? It's active, not passive. It's not just the fact that it's on the page, the very act of writing it on the page makes you remember it better. Okay. So, end the first paragraph. Quite a, quite a first paragraph. <laughs> There's a lot there. Okay, so we ask three questions. First of all, why are we saying that Rosh Hashanah is the first day? It's not, it's the sixth day. So if anything, it's the end, not the beginning. That's our first question. We didn't deal with that at all uh, in the rest of the paragraph. We just asked it, and that was it. Right? The first day of creation is Chafei El. Right? And we celebrate Chafei El. Brand good time. Second question, which is the second and third together, why does it say the beginning of your deeds? Relative to God, there's no beginning and end, and relative to God, there's no deeds. It's a state of absolute oneness. Even God's relationship to the world, when he looks at the world, he, he, can, he surveys all of reality in one glance. Right? Now, God even allowed Moshe Rabbeinu to see that, right? When the Kodesh Baruch Hu showed Moshe Rabbeinu Eretz Yisrael, what did he allow him to see? He showed him the whole history of the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael, one glance. Right? He didn't have to stand there for 2,000 years and watch. Somehow he saw it all at once. What does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> it must be pretty wild. I guess some, you know, one thing that sort of helps us, right? sort of uh, helps us understand this is, is, is dream. You know, in dreams, like time goes in a funny way in dreams. You know, it seems to, you know, there is that there's that machlekes about dreams. And I don't know whether it's been solved, but there used to be machlekes. Is, is dream time the same as wake time, or is dream time fast? Meaning, what you might experience as a, as an hour long experience, I think the pshat is that that happens in a dream very very quickly, right? It's 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 you know, it might be 15 seconds in the dream, even though your experience of it is that there's this whole of time. I think that's the, the maskan. I'm not sure. I look, you know, read about it for a long time, but I think that's what they say. All right, so you'll dream about it in 15 seconds, but it'll it'll appear to you. It'll, you'll experience in the dream as a, quite a long period of time. Okay, I think that's how it works. Okay, so that's the closest we can get to sort of two elements of time. So Meshur Bainu looks and sees Eretz Yisrael and all that's going to happen. So obviously the Abish there, all the more so. So why do we say beginning and end? Why do we say deeds? Not relevant. Oh, we answered that question because we're looking at things from our perspective. And from our perspective, meaning from the perspective of from that perspective, there's beginning, there's end, there's deeds. Okay, good, beautiful, I get it. So then the Rabbi asks, and that's where we got to, and we'll go right there in a second. Why are we looking at things from our perspective? You think on Rosh Hashanah of all days we look at things from an absolute, from a perspective of absolute truth, not relative truth. Understand this. There is to first explain that which was explained before. Now when the Rebbe says before, he means the mimer that the Rebbe said two days before, right? On Er Rosh Hashanah. 
This Maimur was said on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. The Rebbe used to forbring the second day of Rosh Hashanah in the afternoon. It would be a forbring. The Rebbe would say a Maimur. First day, davening, kiyas, go home. Second day, the Rebbe would forbring. So that's when this Maimur said. See, it says uh, Rosh Rosh Prakim, meaning this, this is, uh, we'll see in a second, Hanukkah built in Mugu. We didn't talk about that at the beginning, we should have. Miyem based the Rosh Hashanah from the second day of Rosh Hashanah, Tafshin Lamed Gimel. Meaning this is what the people who heard it wrote down. Now the Rebbe saw this, but the Rebbe did not edit this. This is what, that's why it says Hanukkah. Hanukkah means that which was put down. Built in Mugu, not edited i.e. this is very close to the actual words that the Rebbe said, right? The people who had those memories would sit down after Yom Tif, after Shabbos, Shabbos for bringing, or after Yom Tif, is a Yom Tif for bringing, sit down and write down what the Rebbe said, right? If they had a problem, they could get in touch with the Rebbe, but, you know, they mean, they'd send it in, and the Rebbe saw it before it came out, but the Rebbe didn't edit it. So that is actually, this is a mimer that's closer to what you would actually hear. Right? If you learn an edited mimer, which is the mimer we just finished, the mimer we finished that was in Maluka Dalit is edited. If you heard the mimer that the Rebbe said, you couldn't follow along as the Rebbe was saying it with the mimer that we learned. I mean, the day to day, you couldn't follow along. It's not the same thing at all. This is a written work, and that was a spoken work. It's based on that, but there's all sorts of other information put in. The order can be changed, all sorts of different things. Theoretically, if you, I mean, obviously this is Rosh Hashanah, but if you find a mimer, it said here, Yom Hei, Vav Tishrei, so you could get a tape, right? It's not no longer a tape, but originally it was taped. The tape of the next mimer in the book, Shuvah Yisrael, right? Which you probably have on your last page, right? So Shuvah Yisrael, that mimer was said on Thursday, Vav Tishrei. So, you, you know, if you were to listen to the Rebbe saying the Mimer, now, of course, this is a Hebrew translation of the Yiddish the Rebbe said, right? But you, could, you would be able to follow along because that, that, this is just basically a, a, a word-for-word translation of what the Rebbe said in Yiddish. So to this, but this is based on memory. This, they would have had a recording of it. Mm-hmm. Of an edited Mimer, completely different. Of our Rebbe, no. Friedrich Rebbe, yes. Generally, I once asked Rabbi Groner why that is. Sikhs generally were, were printed in Yiddish, and my Maim were printed in Lashna Kaidish. Why? So he said, I don't know, but I've always understood that the Maimer is Tarash Bichsav. And, uh, and the and the the sikh is Tarsh Balpeh. Tarsh Bichsav is said in Lashon HaKadosh. Tarsh Balpeh is said in the vernacular. Aramaic is what people spoke. Right? So the sikh is in Yiddish because that's what people spoke. Whereas Tarsh Bichsav is in Lashon HaKadosh. So the, even though the mimer was said in Yiddish, it's printed in Lashon HaKadosh. All the Maimarim of all of the Rebbeim, except a couple of volumes of Sichas uh, Biyidish, of the Friedrich Rebbe, are all printed in Lashna Kaidish, even though they were all said in Yiddish. Which is really very interesting, right? So that was Rabbi Groner's take on it. I, I you know, it sounds reasonable. 
I mean, there's no question that the Maimur's Torah should be chsav, meaning it's shechinah medaberes kareina. It's completely different than a sefer. The Rebbe's eyes, when he's saying the Maimur, are closed. The Rebbe's holding on to something in Gashmias to stay here. The Rebbe Shab once said, you've heard this story, but you have to hear it again, because maybe you forgot it, like say the Yishtavshalus, that... Um, Rebbe Shab was, was the one that he said a mimer, and the people who were the chayzrim who would write down the mimerim, even the Rebbe Shab would write down his own mimer. He would, he, the mimerim that we have, the Rebbe Shab, generally the Rebbe Shab wrote them. But they would also write down after and give in to the Rebbe Shab what they wrote down. So, so the Rebbe looked at it and said, I didn't say that. So the, the chayzrim said, yeah, but the Rebbe was quoting a pasuk, and that's the, this is the pasuk. The Rebbe said something like that, but not exactly that. So they just changed what the Rebbe said to the actual Pusik that's written in Tanakh. The Rebbe Shab said to them, that's not what I heard in Gan Eden. Write what I said. Fram, are you on your phone down there? Yeah. Come on, man. You want me to put a little thing in the middle, like the post-high school, and you have to put it? No. So we don't do that. Just put your phone. I'm just dating us on the What? I'm just dating us on the you're dealing with something here. That's what you have to deal with. Right? Baruch Hashem, there's people at home who can deal with the things at home. Baruch Hashem. There's times for everything. Okay, let's just go a little further in the next line. Lahavin zayish lahaktim t'chil l'mashin izbar l'il b'inyin kavonas b'riyas ha'elam, the intention of the creation of the world. Damar razal, chazal say, nis'ave kadosh baruch aliyas l'yizbarach dir b'tachtenim. That a Kaddish Baruch had a taiva for a dear betachtenim, a dwelling place in the lower realm. Shezeu, the Rebbe will talk about that. The Rebbe is going to talk about that. Shezeu iker tam habriya. This is the essential reason for creation. Even though there are other reasons given in Chazal, in Barishenim, right? It's the nature of good to do good. So God wants to do good. So he creates a world. That he can do good to. God wants to be, excuse me, Megala Rachmanuse, to reveal his mercy. So he can only, so to speak, reveal his mercy to another. So he creates another. All sorts of different reasons. But the Iker reason is the Medrash Tanhuma that says, it's Medrash Tanhuma in Parshish Nosei, Nisava lo yizbarach liyeis, nisava la kadosh baruch liyeis lo yizbarach, that there should be to him a dear betachtenim, a dwelling place in the lower realms. But we'll try to understand what that means. Simply, he wants to be revealed down here, but he wants to be revealed down here by virtue of the avayda of down here. He doesn't want to reveal himself, he wants us to reveal him. That's what he wants. Why? Kacha. The word taiva, the Rebbe will explain. The word taiva means something beyond rationale, beyond reason. It can't be explained. Shashashay, we'll just read to the next line. Shashashay, its source, Bebechinas Hataiva, this Taiva, Vatainug, and the pleasure, Shalamayla. Both of those things are beyond reason. Taiva is a desire you have that can't be explained rationally. That's the difference between a Taiva and a Ratzain. A Ratzain is a de- level of will that can be explained rationally. I want a cup of water because I'm thirsty, or because my throat's sore. I would like some tea, my throat's sore. Okay, it's cold outside, I want to warm up. A taiva? I have a taiva for a hot cup of tea, even though it's 95 degrees out and I'm schwitzing, the air conditioner broke. But I still have a taiva for a cup of tea. Okay, fine. 
doesn't make sense, but I have a taiva, so I have a cup of tea. It's not such a terrible taiva. Okay. Tainuk, pleasure, also something beyond rationale. Why does something give me pleasure? I don't know. It just does. So therefore, I have a desire for it. Why do I like the taste of corn more than I like the taste of peas? I don't know. I just do. Corn gives me much more pleasure than peas. Are there people in the world that peas give more pleasure than corn? Yes. Why? Kach. <laughs> it's just that way. And you might have twin children. One will eat the corn and throw off the peas, and the other will throw the corn off. Uh, will throw the corn off the plate and eat the peas. Why? Kach. Nature, right? Nurture? No, you didn't nurture either. You gave them both corn and peas. One will take the corn and throw it off, and then eat the peas. Why they throw it off, that's also bizarre. That's something Lamai Lamitam Vadas. They throw it off the plate. Put it on the floor. Just leave it there. No, no, kids throw it off. Put a net below the catch it. I better make a net less than seven inches or else they all fly through there. There's a period in the next line we'll get. Ukemaimer, like the statement of Chazal, it's a Pusik, and Chazal say, the Pusik is Sheikavamudeshesh, his thighs are pillars of marble. What is that? Right? Ze oilam. What's the oil? The oilam is, so to speak, a Kaddish Baruch Hu's thighs. Why is it called his thighs? Shenishtekeke Kaddish Baruch Hu Because chuka, from the word shaykh, shaykh is a thigh, but it also comes from the word chuka, a longing, to long for something, to cling to it. His longing was that which he desired to create. So the world's called his thighs. That which he had a taiva for. Okay, we'll go further tomorrow morning.